0: to this Endo Life episode 110. I'm Jessica Duffin, I'm an endo warrior, an endo health coach and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. As always this podcast is here to educate and shouldn't be used as a replacement for your current medical treatment. Before we dive into today's episode I want to give a shout out to my lovely sponsors at BU and I wanted to tell you about their new bath bombs which are naturally made and contain beautiful essential oils and their peppermint and eucalyptus essential oils um bath bomb is doing so well right now with endometriosis community they're getting loads of feedback about it and you know if you love the patches themselves you're gonna love the bath bombs because essentially it's the patch in a bath bomb. Um, so, you know, if you're on your period or if you're in pain, you could have a bath with some of the bath bombs or one of them. I don't know, you could have multiple if you want. Um, and then, yeah, get, get out the bath, maybe rub in some CBD balm and put your patch on top, which is um, what a lot of people are feeding back that they're doing. So um, I would love to do that, but... Um, Um, I am almost at the end of my first Sibo round of treatment. Um, I've also been doing lots of other healing, and I will update you guys on how that's going and how it's gone. If you want to read about it, it's definitely going to be talked about in my columns. So make sure that you're following my columns on Endometriosis Net and Endometriosis News. And I'm sure that I'm going to do a podcast episode on it um, soon and I'll very likely do some Instagram stories on it. But I don't want to kind of go into it all now as this is a totally unrelated episode. So um, let's dive into today's show and I'm really looking forward to catching up with all of you guys on Instagram, replying to your DMs, your comments, your emails. So if you reached out to me, thank you so much and I'll be in touch with you as soon as possible. Just, yeah, give me a little bit of time to work through all of the messages and I will, yeah, get back to you as soon as I can. Okay, so today's episode I'm really excited about because it's a topic that I've wanted to cover more. Um, since really starting the show, but I've just not found it covered as much as endometriosis is actually. So I was so excited to have Rebecca says come on the show to talk about PMDD. So Rebecca says is the PMDD health coach who's helping people take back control, take back control of their well-being and their mental health and their physical symptoms with natural methods, self-care and empowering health coaching. Rebecca actually experiences PMDD herself, but her PMDD symptoms are now under control and she lives a very healthy, happy life. She went through many years of struggle and has come out of the other side. She's tried lots of different methods and her experience with that and her holistic healing journey eventually led her to specialize in PMDD as a health coach. And we actually trained at the same health coaching school together. She now helps people all over the world with PMDD. And as so many of us with endo have PMDD, I don't believe I've had it, but I've definitely questioned before where, whether I've had it in the past. Um, and and I've come to the conclusion that I don't. I don't think my symptoms are severe enough. And actually when I manage my hormones my PMS symptoms completely resolve and clearly we know PMDD is so much more severe than PMS that um, I think that my issues really just arise from estrogen dominance playing havoc with my body. But I do know that so many of us with endo do suffer from PMDD as well. So I really wanted to dive into this more in this show And talk more about the alternative options for treatment because my previous episode on PMDD with Vicious Cycles, we discussed the conventional approach and how to get diagnosed and just more the medical route. And I really wanted someone to come on the show to talk about the alternative options and the things that you can try at home. So I was so excited to find Rebecca. So in this episode, we talk about Rebecca's PMDD story and what helped her to feel well again, what PMDD is and the symptoms and causes of PMDD. So we just do a recap in case you hadn't heard that previous episode. Her approach to managing and how that compares to the conventional approach and whether it's possible to actually use those two in conjunction with each other. We talk about where to start with managing PMDD and how it's very individual for each person, PMDD hacks that could help people who are stuck with in the moment symptoms and need relief as soon as possible, and where to find further support for living with PMDD. So if you experience any symptoms like suicide or thoughts, um, feeling like you're an entirely different person, severe debilitating anxiety or depression or really severe physical symptoms in the lead up to your period, and it really could be as far as in advance as like two to three weeks, then I think this is really going to be an episode that is worth listening to because you may have undiagnosed PMDD. And if you do have PMDD and you know that you do, then I really hope this episode is useful to you. Um, Rebecca was an absolute pleasure to talk to. Um, She's wonderful and such. I'm sure you're going to hear she's such a kind and caring person. And yeah, here she is. So, hi, Rebecca, and welcome to the show. It's lovely to have you on. For any listeners who aren't aware of your work yet, um, although I'm pretty sure many of them are following you already, could you tell us a bit about you and what led you to the work that you do now?
1: Yeah. So, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. I'm really excited to chat with you all about PMDD. But um, to answer your question, I was Or, I work with people who have PMDD, which is premenstrual dysphoric disorder. I'm a health coach. And I got into it because I was diagnosed with PMDD when I was 28. After about a decade of experiencing a lot of symptoms that go along with PMDD um, and being on and off a lot of medications, I had a lot of anxiety where I would. You know, hide in my closet and just be on the edge of panic and not be able to function. I would be really tired. I would sleep like 10 or 12 hours a night, get up and want to keep sleeping. I would have to leave work because I couldn't stop crying. I was a school teacher at the time. So I'd go to work and walk into my classroom and just like burst into tears. And then, you know, some days I could pull together and some days I would have to go home. And so all of these really moody symptoms. And I would go to my doctor and they'd run tests and then be like, oh, well, you know, everything's normal. Here's an SSRI, here's an antidepressant or here's the birth control pill. And so I was on and off of those medications. And when I was on SSRIs, I would wake up in the morning and I would be like, I just wanna be dead. I don't wanna be here anymore. I'm gonna have to, you know, I'll probably be alive 50, 60 more years. People in my family live a long time, so and I just like, I don't want to do this, and I was never suicidal. Some people with PMDD can be suicidal, but I just like had these feelings of like, ugh. So I got off of the SSRI and was on birth control pills, but then I was feeling like I would just get anxiety and depression all month long, and at this time, I wasn't totally aware that my moods were connected to my cycle. And I moved a lot during my 20s too. So I kept working with like different healthcare practitioners. And when I was 28, I moved to Texas. I got this new OBGYN and she's the one that kind of helped me connect the dots between, oh, my moods are connected to my monthly cycle. Um, So at that point, I got back on SSRIs and she put me on SSRIs during the luteal phase of your cycle. So those weeks before your period, which is a common... Um, way that doctors will prescribe SSRIs for people with PMDD, so they can kind of go on and off of them. And so I was on that. I um, got back on birth control. I feel like I'm a slow learner sometimes. <laughs> um, and I also like started having these really irrational thoughts where I was like, I am the ugliest person in the world. I need to go get plastic surgery. And then I need to move to another country, not tell anyone that I've done this, start my life over. And so I started like researching and like, okay, do I have enough money? Where am I going to do this? Like, and just, you know, like, okay, I'm no model, but like, probably don't need to do all of that, you know, and don't need absolutely to like, absolutely not, yeah. So like this combination of like anxiety and fatigue and depression and irrational thoughts and on and off the meds. And I got to this point, I also started twitching I like get this twitch. And I was like, I can't, do this anymore. And these, I'm not sure these meds are helping, but I don't know what else to do. And around that same time, my boyfriend, who's now my husband, sent me this article by Alyssa Vitti. And she's the one who wrote The Woman Coaches yes. into Cycle syncing and like, you know, matching what you're eating with your cycle or your workouts with your cycle. She's a queen. Yes, for sure. And this article was about libido because I also had like no libido at that time. And I was like, oh, maybe there's, you know, another way, another approach to this, you know, maybe I can try some of these, you know, these food changes or lifestyle changes. So I ended up stopping all my medications, I got her a book, I like started to go through it. But at that time, I also found a functional medicine doctor who helped me a ton on a lot of gut health issues because of all the medication I've been on. Oh um, yeah, I, also worked sure. with a, mm-hmm. I also worked with a health coach at that time. And I found a good therapist. I started doing yoga regularly. I um, put major boundaries around my work because I was just working like hours and hours every week and, you know, really stressed out about it. So, you know, I stopped bringing work home. I stopped working on the weekends. I just like made these drastic changes and it took, you know, honestly, it took a couple of years. Um, to feel like I no longer have these debilitating symptoms. Like sometimes I still feel a little PMS-y, like I'll get irritated or, you know, maybe a little anxious, but nothing that like totally ruins my whole week. Yeah. So long story short, after like going through that journey, I discovered health coach. Well, you know, I'd worked with a health coach, but then I decided like, oh, I want to get a certification in this as well. And then through that, I decided, you know, I really want to help people that have experienced what I've experienced. So that's kind of how I got into the work that I got into. It's
0: so interesting, especially the fact that, you know, it took you a couple of years to feel more of the kind of intensive symptom relief. How did you not lose faith during that time and stay motivated? Because I think, something that I see quite a lot within the endometriosis community is that it can be difficult to keep going with a change if they're not seeing relief straight away. So what was that like for you? How did you kind of keep persevering?
1: Yeah, I think it's the same in the PMDD community. It can feel really hopeless sometimes, especially when you don't see results right away. Um, I think that You know, working with that functional medicine doctor and the health coach was really helpful to like keep encouraging me, like, and reminding me, like, it is a process, you know, it does go slowly. And I think I also, at that point, was just so disheartened by the fact that medication didn't seem to be working for me either. So I was willing to like keep pursuing this this route a little bit too I think those were kind of some of the things that helped me
0: yeah I think you're right I think sometimes going through things on your own even if you know that the kind of protocol can be quite difficult especially if there's no one around you who understands so mm-hmm. having like yeah having a professional to talk to can be really helpful so For anyone who doesn't know what PMDD is, as I said to you, we've had um, one episode on PMDD before, but it was more about the conventional route. So today we're diving in the kind of more therapeutic, alternative routes. But would you be able to give us an overview of what PMDD actually is and the symptoms and the causes? And I think it could be really helpful to sort of define the difference between PMS and PMDD because it does feel like a a gray area at times.
1: Yeah. So PMDD is premenstrual dysphoric disorder, and it's considered a hormone-based mood disorder that like PMS happens in the days before your period. And one of my mentors, Nicole Jardim calls PMDD PMS, PMS is bigger, better stepsister. Um, I kind of think of PMS as like And I'm assuming everyone knows PMS, premenstrual syndrome or premenstrual tension. Like I think of it as like the thunderstorm. So the thunderstorm comes in, cancels your baseball game. You can't go. PMDD, I think more of like a hurricane. It comes in, it cancels your baseball game. But then after it's over, like you have to totally rebuild the park. Like it's just like destroyed everything. And so that's sort of how they're different. PMDD is generally thought to be more severe and lasting a bit longer. So, PMS might happen a few days before your period. PMDD, for some people, can happen right after ovulation and then last until their period or until their period is over. So, it can be a couple weeks. So, for some people, it can be like half of their month. Um, So, that's some of the differences. So, severity duration are some of the things. To get a PMDD diagnosis, it's best to track your symptoms for a couple of cycles. So get a symptom tracker, you can Google that online. Um, and what your doctor is going to be looking for, hopefully, are a few, there's 11 symptoms that they look at. There's multiple symptoms that can come along with PMDD or PMS, but there's like 11 kind of core symptoms that they're looking for. Um, And they divide it into two categories. So there's the mood symptom category. And these are things like sadness, tearfulness, sensitivity to rejection, if you're getting mood swings, so that, you know, are you feeling sad? The next is anger. And for some people with PMDD, it's like rage and it totally affects their relationships. They often, you know, will have ruined relationships with friends or family or coworkers anxiety is another one. So that tension, that edginess, and then depression or feelings of hopelessness or feeling really critical of yourself. Um, So those are the four mood ones, sadness, anger, anxiety, depression. Mm -hmm. And then the other category, they're looking at um, cognitive and behavioral symptoms. So these are things like Are you having sleep issues? Are you having excessive sleep or are you having insomnia? Do you have any appetite changes? Are you binge eating? Do you have major food cravings? Do you feel overwhelmed or out of control? A lot of times people with PMDD will say like this flip or sorry, the switch has been flipped where they feel like they've turned into this other person that they can't control. So these feelings of out of being out of control, is pretty common. And then energy. Do you have a lot of fatigue? You know, are you lacking energy? Do you have a hard time concentrating? Are you uninterested in your usual activities? And then do you have any body or physical symptoms like maybe breast tenderness, joint pain, headaches, muscle pain, waking? So, Between those two categories, they're going to look and see, do you have one from each? So do you have at least one mood symptom and then at least one cognitive or behavioral symptom? Do you have five symptoms total? And then they're going to look and see, is it connected to your cycle? So if you have anxiety all month long, but it gets worse before your period, That would, they would consider that to be like, okay, you have anxiety and it's just this, not just, but it's premenstrual exacerbation. So it gets worse before your period. We're going to treat that as anxiety and not PMDD. Okay. And then also looking, is it connected to your cycle? Because that can help rule out if it's bipolar or hypothyroid or something of that nature. So that's why tracking and tracking with your cycle is important. And then finally, they're going to look and see: Does it disrupt your life in any way? Are you unable to go to work? Are you um, unable to go to school? Does it disrupt your relationships? Those kind of things. So, if all of those boxes are checked and they've ruled out other um, other possible causes, then you would likely get a PMDD diagnosis.
0: Right. Okay. And I guess, do you feel that? When PMDD is there, it's really, really obvious because I feel like people with endometriosis are struggling with a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the time, and we might have other conditions that can affect mental health as well, like small intestine bacterial overgrowth, which I've got, which causes a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. You might be, you know, chronic pain and stuff, so it can be difficult to distinguish what's causing what, and so you know, you're wondering, well, is it, is it to do with this or is it PMDD? Is it really glaringly obvious that it's PMDD or could it be a bit subjective?
1: That's a good question. I don't know if I have a great answer to that because there's a lot of things. I don't think that it is always super obvious because there are a lot of other things like you're mentioning that can look a lot like this. So, and I think that's where working with, different healthcare practitioners to kind of help you peel the layers of the onion, so to speak, to kind of figure out what really is going on. Because like I mentioned, like if you have a thyroid issue, it can also look a ton like this. And you're right. Like if you have any gut health issues, it can also look a lot like this. So yeah, I think the answer is probably no, but I don't know if I have the best answer for that. So I think it, it's, it's a process of kind of peeling away like what really is underneath and what is causing this. And that was one of your questions too. And um, the answer to the cause is they don't really know researchers, but I know it's like 2020, we don't really know. Um <laughs> But the, if you Google it, the most common cause that you're going to hear is that people with PMDD respond differently to their normal cyclical fluctuations of hormones. So like during your cycle, progesterone and estrogen are going to rise and fall, and that's totally normal. That's good. But it's thought that people with PMDD have a genetic sensitivity to these rises and falls, which trigger those extreme reactions. Um, it's also thought maybe trauma might be a contributor. Extreme stress might be a contributor. A lot of times when um, life is really stressful, the PMDD or people with PMS experience this too, I believe Um, their symptoms get even worse. Inflammation might be a contributor. And then like, I'm looking for things like, is there a histamine issue? So, you know, going back to that gut health. um, Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's like, let's peel all the layers so that's kind of what's thought might be the cause so and I think sometimes too it's like oh genetic it's hopeless there's nothing I can do but I think that it's important to remember that yes you know genetics is part of the story but your environment your lifestyle what you're eating those can all contribute to your health and your wellness and your well-being so I don't want people to feel like they're helpless or hopeless. Like I, I think there is still hope. So uh, if you hear nothing else from me today, I hope you hear that there is hope.
0: Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. These natural patches last for 12 hours so they bring you prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in so you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day. Some people even find that wearing them a night before their period can really help soothe the inflammation in the area. To shop, just head to the link in my show notes. This episode is also sponsored by my free guide, Managing Endometriosis Naturally. If you don't know where to start with beginning to take a holistic approach to managing your endometriosis symptoms, then this might help you. Um, if you'd like to download it, just head to the show notes and follow the link and you can get your free copy. And I think that kind of leads into my second question because in my you know i'm i'm far from a pmdd specialist but in my kind of experience like my encounters with it the conventional approach seems to come from the perspective of this is genetic there's nothing we can do have some drugs or have a hysterectomy mm-hmm. And so what's your approach to managing and alleviating PMDD and how does that compare to the conventional approach? Like maybe we could do a recap of,
1: yeah.
0: you know, of the conventional approaches because yeah, like you're saying there's all of these different factors. You're not actually a hundred percent sure yet what the, you know, what the course is, but there are things to consider. And so that gives us a really holistic overview. So I would imagine that you take quite a holistic approach in terms of managing it within your practice anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the conventional approach, if you go to your doctor, um, they're going to put you on an SSRI, an antidepressant, or if you're wanting birth control, they'll put you on birth control. And then if that doesn't work, they're going to do a medication-induced menopause. And then like you mentioned, if that doesn't work, they're going to do hysterectomy. And you know, some people do find relief with SSRIs or birth control. A lot of the people I work with seem to come to me on one or both. And, you know, they'll be like, well, my low moods aren't as low, but, you know, I'm not really feeling these high moods either. I'm kind of flattened. And that's sort of what I went through too. I've heard that a lot. Yeah. And so they, you know, you want to live a full life. You don't want to live flat. So, um, that's like conventional approach and then yeah my approach is taking a holistic view and i'm helping people put into place food lifestyle practices that are going to help them build resilience over their symptoms which if you have pmdd or pmdd symptoms it's really difficult to do because you know, you can hardly function for a quarter to a half of the month. And so I'm helping people with stress, with food, like I mentioned, sleep and movement, and then like exercise. And then we're looking at some of the things that might be behind that person's PMDD. So like I mentioned, like peeling that onion, because sometimes people are like, you know, I'm doing all the things I'm eating really well. I'm exercising, you know, I'm getting good sleep, but I'm still not Seen any results. So then it's like, okay, you know, is there a trauma component? There is some thought that trauma might be connected. So, how can I help you find a trauma therapist? So, that's a big part of the work I do too, is helping people build up their support teams. Because, kind of like we mentioned before, like, I don't know. I feel like people want to like do this alone, like this journey alone. And I'm like, no, get help <laughs> yeah, from as yeah. many people as you possibly can. Like, cause it's like Indo, I imagine it's very complex. And so there's different pieces to the puzzle. So it might be the trauma therapist and that might be like something they need to work on. Another part is that stress. So it seems like there's some people that come and they're kind of in this fight, flight or freeze mode like all the time. So how can we calm their nervous system? And looking at, you know, is it the food? Do they need to balance their blood sugar? Is it stress reduction activities like yoga or Tai Chi or, you know, mindfulness? Is it a support system? Do they need friends that they can count on family? Do they have like that friend that they can go and just cry with? Do they have that friend that can send them funny memes, you know, like getting support? And then sometimes it's like, is there a big underlying stressor that they need to attend to? Excuse me, attend to. So maybe it's a job that's just like sucking their soul or like a relationship that needs help or work or maybe there's a money issue. So looking at some of those underlying stressors, finding ways we can calm their nervous system and kind of reduce some of those stressors. And then, when I work with people too, I want to make sure that they've really explored other common um, misdiagnoses. So, like I've talked a little bit already about thyroid. So, helping them, you know, get a full thyroid panel, making sure that everything is working really well there. Um, possibly getting estrogen and progesterone tested. So, their hormones tested. It's not thought to be. Um, estrogen dominance. I know sometimes PMS is thought like oh you have too much estrogen in relation to your progesterone. Yeah. Um PMDD is not typically thought to be that, but at the same oh, wow. time,
0: okay, that's interesting. Yeah.
1: At the same time I think it's still important to know, you know, like is it contributing to it? You know, what are your hormones doing? So possibly getting that looked at. And then I think it's also important to look into medications, because sometimes the medications that we're on can have the same symptoms of PMDD and or they can, you know, mess with your gut health, which can cause symptoms or can cause nutrient depletion. So, you know, working on eating a nutrient-dense diet um, can be helpful. And then you know, we mentioned gut health. So, like, if, do you have a histamine intolerance or are you having issues around ovulation? That might be a sign that histamine might be an issue for you. So, there's really a lot of different things we can explore, but those are some of the ones that we might start with. And with PMS and PMDD, there's so many symptoms. So, everyone is different. So, it's not like everyone comes to me and we do the same XYZ. It's like, okay you know, what are your symptoms? What's your background? What's your lifestyle? What's your environment? You know, you got to look at that big picture. So that's sort of what we do.
0: And on the histamine point, is there, I'm just curious, just because I have histamine intolerance, mm. why would histamine play a role there? Is is there like a research link or is it more that it's just causing inf- inflammation and aggravation in the body?
1: I Yeah, I think it's the inflammation bit. So I'm not sure if there's actually research on it specifically for PMDD. There's not actually a ton of research, I feel like, for a lot of things specifically for pMDD. Um, but yeah, especially for people that come to me and that if they have symptoms around ovulation, that sometimes is a a tri- not a trigger, a light bulb in my head, like, oh, maybe this needs to be looked into more. But yeah, I think it has to do with the inflammation part. And that's also, you know, inflammation may be a contributor to PMDD too. So anything we can do to help reduce that, I think is important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of the food, um, just because I know people are, you know, interested in nutrition and it's obviously something that people can start to make some fairly reasonable, um, you know, reasonably easy changes to, Mm -hmm. is there kind of a focus on there? Because obviously, you know, when it comes to dealing with chronic pain, we know there's a lot of evidence behind like a Mediterranean diet or like an anti-inflammatory diet. Is there, is there sort of an, an approach that you would take nutritionally with this?
1: Well, it depends on the person and sort of what they've already done. If they come to me and they're on a standard American diet, so they're eating a lot of processed foods, my first step is to get them to eat real whole foods and adding in foods. So adding in lots of veggies, adding in healthy fats, I think is important. you know, getting quality protein, those type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, we also want to look at helping them balance their blood sugar, some of them. You know, a lot of the symptoms of unbalanced blood sugar can be like anxiety and yeah. anger, like very similar things. So helping them do that, and we do that by eating, you know, um, protein and fats and complex carbs, primarily veggies at every meal and snack. Um, from there, it might depend on the person. So, like, we also look into things that might be causing more um, mood symptoms. So for some people, like gluten and dairy are not super good for their mood. So they might experiment with taking that out and seeing how they feel. And then, um, yeah, from there, it kind of depends on the person. But I, as far as I've seen, there's not like one specific diet that like I recommend it's more first like let's get as nutrient dense as we possibly can and then take out any of the foods that might be contributing to symptoms so that's sort of my approach
0: yeah and do you I mean you know you mentioned like uh, um, Elisa Vitti's work Mm -hmm. earlier do you ever see cycle like food cycle sinking to be helpful
1: um I think it depends on the person because some people find it a little overwhelming. Some people really mm-hmm. like it. So I think it, and I'm trying to think if I've ever, I don't think I've ever had a client that's like followed it super closely. So I don't know if I can completely speak to that.
0: I'm I'm guessing that you're familiar with Trudy, or maybe yeah. not actually. Might have been part of the You are familiar with Trudy Scott, yeah,
1: the anti-anxieties. And-
0: yeah. And her work around like, um, you know, low levels of neurotransmitters mm-hmm. and often them being related to low amino acids. Mm-hmm. And I worked with Jessica Drummond at the beginning of the year and she really felt that like my neurotransmitters were like starving. Mm. And I just wondered whether you had any thoughts on that around PMDD and, um, well, I guess, I guess maybe we should maybe you could explain like Trudy's approach. So people kind of know what I'm talking about, but if you had any thoughts around that, like low protein levels or, you know, low amino acid levels, absorption levels.
1: Yeah. So I know Trudy is, um, yeah. And I've taken training from Trudy too on amino acids. I don't, um, I wouldn't call myself an expert on them by any means, but I think they can be really helpful for people with PMDD. So, Trudy's approach is generally like, sort of, I guess, what I just explained with food, like using food first, you know, getting that nutrient dense diet, eating those healthy fats, getting that protein, you know, taking out any foods that might be um, triggering anxiety or depression. And then, if you're still experiencing, you know, the anxiety, the depression, if you have really intense cravings, that's another thing that amino acids can help with, then Trudy would um, bring in amino acid supplementations such as GABA, 5-HTP, tryptophan, and yeah, those things can be beneficial for people with PMDD. I use them on my journey and found them um, oh, really? Very helpful. So I think, yeah, it's definitely another thing to look into. But again, I think first, like first, start with food. You know, it's mm-hmm. the gentlest approach. But at the same time, if you're not making any headway, then it's definitely, yeah, look into amino acids for sure.
0: Mm, and 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 also like making sure you're actually absorbing yes. the amino acids you're eating from food. Yes. Um. I, yeah, because I'm pretty much not absorbing anything mm. with my SIBO so <laughs> despite having like the healthiest diet of anyone yes. I know um, I might as well be eating a standard American diet mm. because I'm deficient in so much so okay that's that's really interesting so when obviously you've mentioned that it's best for people to work with a team if they can mm-hmm. but where would be the best place to start with managing PMDD? And alongside that, I guess one of the things that I want would like to know is like, do you spot treat like symptoms? So say, okay, so for example, today I recorded a podcast episode on five hacks for boosting, uh, for reducing brain fog and boosting fatigue. Now I opened that episode with a disclaimer saying, you know, this isn't this isn't a root cause. Like this isn't going to solve the root cause. Mm-hmm. Like your fatigue isn't, you know, your fatigue could be caused by chronic inflammation, a gut health issue, nutrient deficiencies, blood sugar imbalance, like so many different things. But because often people ask me for just like quick tips, I also like to share those as well. So like, you know, some lion's mane or cordyceps might be helpful, like if you're struggling to get through the day kind of thing. So I was just wondering, are there kind of things that people can do in the interim whilst they're working on the long-term approach that can make their symptoms more bearable? And in terms of the long-term approach, this holistic approach that we've been discussing, where would you say that someone could like make, could maybe start? Where would be a good approach because, in you know, in my practice, for example, we normally would start with looking at, like, are they having enough, like, nutrients in their diet, like an anti-inflammatory nutrient-dense diet? That's kind of where we'd start to begin to look. So, yeah, I was just wondering, do you have any foundational health, change like, changes that you would explore primarily?
1: Yeah. So, I think, you know, like, endo-PMDD can be debilitating. So, I think in the moment, symptom relief is important. And so with many of my clients, we will, you know, kind of create a little plan of things you can do when your symptoms get really bad. And I think this is important because it brings you back to that headspace of like, yes, I can still take action. I'm not hopeless. I'm not helpless. There are still things I can do, you know, even if it's not going to totally get rid of everything You know, it still puts me in the driver's seat, so I like that. Um, And really, it can be different for everybody, just because everyone has different symptoms and such a variety of symptoms. So, you know, it might be something like, okay, if you're feeling anxious, like what snack can you eat? Like maybe you grab a spoonful of nut butter. Maybe it's breath work. You know, you're feeling anxious. Maybe you do a calming breath. You're feeling fatigue. Maybe you do an energizing breath. Um, Going back to that support. Like I feel like I can't emphasize this enough. Get support. (laughs) Um, But, you know, do you have that friend you can call if you're feeling really down that maybe doesn't understand PMDD but can be supportive? Or maybe it's a specific yoga move or yoga stretch that can help with a certain joint pain. Um, Or maybe we talk through how to talk to your boss or how to talk to your friends or family when your symptoms are so bad that you can't, you know, interact with people. So, Like little things like that are kind of some of the things that we might do as far as in the moment. Mm. And then um, as far as where to start, I feel like that sort of depends on the person and what they're ready to look at. So if they're ready to look at maybe some of their deeper stressors, that might be a place just like calming that nervous system. But some people are, like you said, people are generally interested in nutrition. Um, So yeah, looking at, are you getting that nutrient-dense diet? And then just like you mentioned, like, are you actually absorbing it? Because if you're not, it's, you might as well be eating the Cheetos and the pizza. (laughs) So those, I think those are kind of the two biggest places, the nervous system and then, you know, food and is it supporting you? Um, But again, it depends on the person because I have some people come to me and they're like not quite ready to make the food changes. So, yeah, I think it's really client dependent. And then I would also like to mention here that if you're making a short term plan for yourself and you are suicidal, because that is also another symptom. It's not one that is tracked to get a diagnosis, but it is a fairly common symptom then making sure that, you know, you have like a support team and support set up there and, you know, making sure call 911, call suicide support, reach out. Like I think that's really important as well, as far as like putting that in your in your plan if that is something that you experience.
0: And actually, gosh, I wish I could remember the name. I don't even know if they exist anymore. But um I know in the UK there's this like Sewer, sort of like a sanctuary for people who feel suicidal and they can just go and stay for like five days and they're taken care of and made sure that they're you know they're okay yeah. um I found it years ago I don't know if it still exists but if I it's a charity if I find it I'll put it in the show notes yeah and I think going back to that point about nutrition and stresses obviously we've done this the same program but I went on to do Jessica Drummond's endometriosis um, specialist program. And there's kind of a bit, I think there's a bit more structure in that than there is in like the women's health training program. And, you know, Jessica talks a lot about how like nutrition is one of kind of the, not necessarily easiest, but one of the fastest ways to see some relief with endometriosis mm-hmm. symptoms. Yeah. And so, you know, we, explore the options and meet someone where they are. So like some of my clients are like, okay, well, I'm going to start by adding in one extra vegetable because mm-hmm. at the moment they're only eating one vegetable or maybe not, not even. So that's kind of rather than kind of going full on, yes. um, anti-inflammatory. It's just like, I'm going to have a side of spinach, with my lunch right and it's it's that kind of level where some people are like oh actually yeah i'm not eating any nuts or seeds maybe i'll start there this week mm-hmm. and it's a gradual process where some people are like yes great this is exactly what i needed yes. like i'm going to print the list off and i'm going to go food shopping mm-hmm. um it definitely depends on the personality but i don't, yeah i don't know about you but my experience is that people can It doesn't matter if they're small changes, like you can still make positive change, you know, even if it's just bit by bit and step by step. And actually in the long run, that can often be so much more sustainable because you can keep up with it and you can layer it up, you know, bit by bit. So I love that. Yeah. I love that your approach is is so tailored. So for people who would consider doing this on their own Are there any resources
1: out there that you would, that you would recommend? For education, there is, well, let me just plug my podcast. I have a podcast. Yes, Um, please go for it. So it's called Power Over PMDD and it is a very holistic approach. And like you mentioned, you know, I have episodes where it's like in the moment, you know, symptom reduction for X, Y, Z, or, you know, we look at in the moment, we look at long term. I I bring on guests. Um, IAPMD is a resource that has lots of information about PMDD, so that could be a place to start. You can also look on their website. They have a place to search for providers, so people and doctors and therapists that are familiar with PMDD, because that can be really challenging to find a doctor who knows about PMDD, who understands it that can be a really big frustration so that can be a really good resource because at a minimum I think working with a doctor is important um oh
0: yeah absolutely
1: so that I think that would be a good place to look too okay
0: and I think there's um vicious cycle pmdd as well oh yes um mm-hmm. in the uk yes. um well i mean you can access it from wherever you are in the world because it's online but i'll put that in the in the show notes too and so obviously you have a podcast um where else can people find you if they want to connect and also are you kind of working with people at the moment are you open to taking on yeah are you open to taking
1: on clients at the moment yeah I am so definitely reach out if you're interested in wanting help. I you can find me on my website is pmddhealthcoach.com and then Instagram and Facebook. I'm also PMDD Health Coach. I'm a little bit more active on Instagram than Facebook but you can find me either place.
0: Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on today. Endometriosis and, you know, PMDD seem to often come hand in hand as a lot of other yeah. conditions with endometriosis. So either one of them, you know, is a lot to deal with right. alone, let alone together. So, um, thank you so much for coming on and, and talking today. Um, cause I think this is going to help a lot of people and, um, before we you know wrap up, is there anything that you kind of want to share? Um, yeah, any final like words of wisdom or anything you want people to take home?
1: Uh, I think the biggest would be that like don't give up. Mm. don't give up, keep going. I, it's hard. it's a, and it can be a long journey, but I think if you keep going, you will find answers. So I want to leave you with there is hope and keep going
0: thank you so much it's been wonderful to have you on and yeah i hope to have you back on in the future and um, continue following your
1: work well thank you so much for having me so that's it thank you so much
0: for listening if you want to find out more about what i do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it um you can head to my instagram page which is this underscore endolife Um, you can head to my website which is www.thisendolife.com and you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website Um, I've put the link in my show notes it's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis as always, if you like this show, please rate, review, and or subscribe. Really, truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis. This episode was produced by The Pod Farm. Whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started, visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world.